Chapter 5 of Cubs of the Wolf by Raymond F. Jones. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Zach Katstein. Chapter 5 As if upon some secret signal, Sal Caron appeared from the serving room at their left. Our visitors are no longer our guests. Marthasa said sharply, with accusing eyes still upon Cameron. They will remain in their rooms until time for deportation. I trust it will not be necessary to use force, he said directly to Cameron. Of course not. But won't you let me explain? Won't you even allow an apology for breaking a taboo we did not understand? Is it not taboo among all civilized people, including your own, to invent and spread lies about those who wish you only well? It was useless to argue, Cameron saw. He turned, taking Joyce's arm, and allowed Sal Caron to lead them back to their rooms. As they paused at the doorway, the eyed spoke without expression on his dark face. This is not a good thing, Cameron Wilder. It would have been best for you to have considered my warning. He turned and stepped away, locking the door behind him. Joyce slumped on the bed in dejection. This is a fine fix we've gotten ourselves into, being declared persona non grata before we even get a good start. They'll remember that back home when a study of the metamorphosis of the Markovian nucleus is mentioned in professional circles. Don't rub it in, Cameron said half angrily. How was I to know that was such a vicious taboo? It can't be any secret to the Markovians that the Ides look upon them as tamed. Why should they get their hackles up because I mentioned it? All I know is we're washed up as of now. What do we do when we get back home? Cameron stood with his back to her, looking through the windows to the garden beyond. I'm not thinking of that, he said. Can't you see we haven't failed? We've almost got it, the thing we came to find. We knew why the Markovians suddenly became good Indians. The Ides actually did tame them. We've got to find out how such an apparently impossible thing could be done. Do you really believe that's what happened? Asked Joyce. Cameron nodded. It's the only thing there is to believe. If it weren't true... Marthasa and his wife would have laughed it off as nonsense. Getting all huffy and talking about deportation for cooking up lies is the best proof you could ask for that we hit pay dirt. Don't ask me how I think the Ides could do it. That's what I'm going to find out. How? I don't know. But he did have an idea that... If he could somehow get word to the old-eyed chieftain, help could be had. He knew he was straining to believe things he wanted to believe, 
Yet it seemed as if this were the very thing Benor had tried to convey the day before, but had left unspoken. There was only one possibility of establishing contact, however, and that was through Sal Caron. A remote chance indeed, Cameron thought, in view of the relationship between the Markovian and his Sarg. As a last resort, it was worth trying, however. It looked as if they would not even have this chance as the evening grew darker. Cameron kept watch through the windows in the hope of signaling Sal Caron, in case he should appear. They hoped he might come to the room for a final check of their needs for the night, as he usually did. But he did not appear. Cameron finally went to bed after Joyce was long asleep. He turned restlessly, beating his mind with increasing wonder as to how it could be so incredibly true that the idealists were the actual masters of the nucleus that they had somehow tamed the murderous, piratical Markovians. He couldn't have known this was it. One thing he could understand, however, was the Markovians' reluctance to have visitors and their careful watch over them. Marthasa had been more than a host, he thought. He was a guard as well trying to keep the Terrans from discovering the unpleasant reality concerning the influence of the Ides. He had slipped in allowing them to visit Venor. At dawn, there was the sound of their door opening, and Cameron whirled from his dressing, hopeful it might be Salcaron. It was Marthasa, however, grim and distant. I have obtained word that your deportation can be accomplished Today, Premier Jargla has been informed and concurs. The council has been notified and offers no protestations. You will ready yourselves before the evening hour. He slammed the door behind him. Joyce turned down the covers in the other room and sat up. I wonder if he isn't even going to feed us today. Cameron made no answer. He finished dressing hurriedly and kept a frantic watch for any sign of Salcaron. At last, there was a knock on the door and the eyed appeared with breakfast on a cart. Cameron exhaled with relief that it was not one of the other Sargs in the household. Salcaron eyed him impassively as he wheeled in and arranged the food on the table by a window. Cameron watched, estimating his chances. Your chief, Venor, was very kind to us yesterday, he said quietly. Our biggest regret in leaving is that our conversation with him must go unfinished. Salcaron paused. Were there things you had yet to say to him? he asked. No, there were things Venor wanted to tell us. You heard him. He wanted us to come back. It is completely impossible for us to see him again before we go. Salcaron straightened and set the utensils on the table. No, it is not impossible. I have been instructed to bring you back to the village if it should be your request.
Cameron felt a surge of eager excitement within him. When? Our deportation is scheduled for today. How can we get there? How can we avoid Marthasa and the Markovians? Stand very quietly, said Salcarone, that sense of power and command in his voice and bearing, as Cameron had seen it once before aboard the ship. Now, he said, close your eyes. There was a sudden wrenching twist as if two solid surfaces had slammed them from front and back, and a third force thrust them sideways. They opened their eyes in the wooden house of Venor, in the village of the idealists. We owe you apologies, said Venor. We hope you are not harmed in any way. Cameron stared around uncertainly, Joyce clutched his hands. How did we? Cameron stammered. Teleportation is the descriptive term in your language, I believe, said Venor. It was rather urgent that you come without further delay, so we resorted to it. Nothing else would do in the face of Marthasa's action. Sit down, if you will please. If you wish to rest or eat, your quarters are ready. Our quarters? Then you did expect us back. You knew this was going to happen exactly as it has. Yes, I knew, said Venor quietly. I planned it this way when word first came to us of your visit. I think we are entitled to explanations, Cameron said at last. We seem to have been pieces in a game we knew nothing about. And it had taken this long for the full impact of Venor's admission of teleportation to hit him. He closed his eyes in a moment's reaction of fright. He didn't want to believe it and knew he must. These idealists, who could master galaxies and tame the wild Markovians, was there anything they could not do? Not a game, Venor protested. We planned this because we wanted you to see what you have seen. We wanted a man of Earth to know what we have done. But... Don't the Markovians realize the foolishness of deporting us because we stumbled onto the relationship between you and them? And if you are in control, how can they issue such an order, unless you want it? Our relationship is more complex than that. There are different levels of control. We operate the one that brought you here. He let Cameron consider the implication of the unfinished statement. Then he continued. To understand the Markovian's reason for deporting you, consider that on Earth, men have tamed wolves and made faithful, loyal dogs who can be trusted. 
dogs who have forever lost the knowledge their ancestors were fierce marauders, ready to rip and tear the flesh of any man or beast that came their way. Consider the dogs, only a generation or two from the vicious wolves who were their forebears. The old urges have not entirely died, yet they want to know man's affection and trust. Could you remind them of what their kind once was without stirring up torment within them? So it is with the Markovians. They are peaceful and creative, but only a few generations behind them are pirates who are not fit to sit in the councils of civilized beings. They have no tradition of culture to support them. It knocks the prop out from under them, so to speak, to have it known what lies behind them. They cannot be friends with such a man. They cannot even endure the knowledge among themselves. Then I was right, Cameron exclaimed. Their phony history was set up to deceive their own people as well as others. Yes, the dog would destroy all evidence of his wolf ancestry. It has been an enormous project, but the people of the Nucleus have been at it a long time. They have concocted a consistent history which leaves out all evidence of their predatory ancestry. The items of reality, which were possible to leave, have been retained. The gaps have been bridged by fictionalized accounts of glorious undertakings and discoveries. Most of the Markovian science has been taken from other cultures. But now, their history boasts of heroes and discoverers who never lived, and who were responsible for all the great science they enjoy. But... Nothing stable can be built upon such an unhealthy foundation of self-deception, Cameron protested. It is not unhealthy, not at the present moment, said Venor. The time will come when it, too, will be thrust aside, and a tremendous effort of scholarship will extract the elements of truth and find that which was suppressed. But the Markovians themselves must do it, a generation of them who can afford to laugh at the fears and fantasies of their ancestors. This tells us nothing of how you were able to make a creative people out of a race of pirate marauders, said Cameron. I gave you the key, said Vanor. It was one used long ago by your own people before it was abandoned. How was the savage wolf tamed to become the loyal, friendly dog 
Did ancient man try to exterminate the wolves that came to his caves and carried off his young? Perhaps he tried, but he learned, perhaps accidentally, another way of conquest. He found the wolf's cubs and learned to love them. He brought the cubs home and cared for them tenderly and his own children played with them, and fed them, and loved them. It took time, but eventually there were no more wild wolves to trouble man, because he had discovered a great friend, the dog. And man plus dog could handle wolf with ease. Dog forgot, in time, what his forebears were, and became willing to defend man against his own kind, because man loved him. It happened again and again. Agricultural man hated the wild horse that ate his grain and trampled his fields. But he learned to love the horse, too, after a while. And again, no more wild horses. But you can't take a predatory, savage pirate and love him into decency, Cameron protested. No, Venor agreed. It is too difficult, ordinarily, at that level, and wasteful of time and resources. But I didn't say that is what happened. You don't tame a wolf by loving it, but the cubs, yes. And even pirates have cubs who are susceptible to being loved. The first weapon was hate, but after learning the futility of it, sentient creatures discovered another, the succeeding evolutionary emotion. It is pure savagery in its destructive power, a thousand times more effective in annihilating the enemy. You thought love thy enemy was a soft, gentle, futile doctrine. Actually, instead of merely killing the enemy, it twists his personality, destroys his identity. He continues to live, but he has lost his integrity as an entity. The wolf cub never becomes an adult wolf. He becomes a dog. It is not a doctrine of weakness, but the ultimate weapon of destruction. It can be used to induce any orientation desired in the mind of the enemy. He'll do everything you want him to, because he has your love. How did you apply that to the Markovians? Asked Joyce in almost a whisper. It was one of the most difficult programs we have ever undertaken, said Venor. There were comparatively few of us and such a tremendous population of Markovians. 
We had predicted long ago, even before the organization of the council, the situation would grow critical and dangerous. By the time the council awoke to the fact and started its futile debates, we had made a strong beginning. We arranged to be in the path of a Markovian attack on one of the worlds where our work was completed. The Markovians were only too happy to take us into slavery and use us as victims in their brutal sports. You didn't deliberately fall into a trap where you allowed yourself to be killed and tortured by them, exclaimed Cameron. Venor smiled. The Markovians thought we did. We could hardly do that, of course. Our numbers were so small compared with theirs that we wouldn't have lasted very long. And, obviously, it would have been plain stupid. But there is one key that must not be forgotten. An effective use of love requires an absolute superiority on the levels attainable by the individuals to be tamed. So, in this case, we had to have the power to keep the Markovians from slaughtering us, or we would have been unable to accomplish our purpose. Teleportation is of obvious use here. Likewise, psychosomatic controls that can handle any ordinary wound we might permit them to inflict. We gave them the illusion of slaughtering and torturing us, but our numbers did not dwindle. Why did you give them such an illusion? Joyce asked. And you say you permitted them to inflict wounds? Venor nodded. We were in their households, you see, employed as slaves and assigned to the care of their young. The cubs of the wolf were given into our hands to love and to tame. These Markovian children were witnesses to the supposed torture and killing of those who loved them. It was a tremendous psychic impact and served to drive their influence toward the side of the slaves. And even the adults slowly recognized the net loss to them of doing away with servants so skilled and useful in household tasks and caring for the young. The games and brutality vanished spontaneously within a short time. Markovians, young and old, simply didn't want them any longer. During the maturity of that first generation of young, on whom we expended our love, our position became more secure. These were no longer wolves. They had become dogs, loyal to those who loved them and we could use them now against their own kind. 
influences to abandon piracy against other peoples began to spread throughout the nucleus. Today, the Markovians are no longer a threat, capable of holding the council worlds in helpless fear. They long ago ceased their depredations. Their internal stability is rising and is almost at the point where we shall be able to leave them. Our work here is about finished. Surely all this was unnecessary, Joyce said. With your powers of teleportation and other psionic abilities you must possess, it should be easy for you to control the Markovians directly, force them to cease their piracy. Of course, said Venor. That would have been much easier for us, and so futile. The Markovians would have learned nothing through being taken over by us and operated externally. They would have remained the same. But it was our desire to change them, teach them, accomplish genuine learning within them. It is always longer and more difficult this way. The results, however, are more lasting. Who are you people? What are you? Cameron said with sudden intensity. You have teleportation, and how many other unknown psychic powers? You have forced us to believe you can tame such a vicious world as the Markovian nucleus once was. But where is there a life of your own? With all your powers, you must live at the whim of other cultures. Where is your culture? Where is your own purpose? In spite of all you have, your life is a parasitical one. Venor smiled gently. Is it not the parent or the teacher, the servant of the child? He said. Has it not always been so? if a species is to rise very far in its conquest of the universe. But this does not mean that the parent or teacher has no life of his own. You ask, where is our culture? The culture of all worlds is ours. We don't have great cities and vast fleets. The wolf cubs build these for us. They carry us across space and shelter us in their cities. Our energies are expended in a thousand other and more profitable ways. We have sought and learned a few of the secrets of life and mind. With these we can move as you were moved, when we choose to do so. From where I sit, I can speak with any of our kind on this planet or any world of the nucleus. And a few of us, united in effort, can touch those in distant galaxies. What culture would you have us acquire that we do not have? 
been or finished. Without answer, Cameron arose and strode slowly to the window, his back to the room. He looked out upon the rude wooden huts and the towering forest beyond. He tried to tell himself it was all a lie. Such things couldn't be, but he could feel it now with increasing strength, as if his senses were quickening. The benign aura, the indefinable wash of power that seemed to lap at the edges of his mind. Out of the corner of his eye, he could see Joyce's face almost radiant as she too sensed it here in the presence of the eyes. Love, as a genuine power, had been taught by every Terran philosopher of any social worth, but it had never really been tried, not in the way the Ides understood it. Cameron felt he could only guess at the terrible discipline of the mind it required to use it as they did. The analogy of the wolf cubs was all very well, and man had learned to go that far. But there is a difference when your own kind is involved, he thought. Perhaps it was out of sheer fear of each other that men continued to try to sway with hate, the most primitive of all their weapons. It is easy to hate, he thought. Love is hard, and because it is, the tough humans who can't achieve it and have the patience to manipulate it, must scorn it. The truly weak ones, they're incapable of the stern and brutal self-discipline required of one who loves his enemy. But men had known how. Back in the caves when they had known how to conquer the wolf and the wild horse, where had they lost it? The vision of the buildings and the forest, with its eternal peace, was still in his eyes. What else could you want with the whole universe in the palm of your hand? He turned sharply. You tricked us into betraying ourselves to Marthasa, and you said that you planned it this way when you first heard of our coming but you have not yet said why. Why did you want us to see what you had done? You needed to have evidence from the Markovians themselves, said Venor. That is why I led you to the point where the admission would be forced from them. The problem you came to solve is now answered, is it not? Is there anything to prevent you returning to Earth and writing a successful paper on the mystery of the Markovians? You know very well there is, said Cameron, with a sudden sense that Venor was laughing gently at him. Who on Earth would believe what you have told me, that a handful of meek, subservient Ides had conquered the mighty Markovian nucleus. He paused, looking at Joyce, who returned his intense gaze. Is that all? said Venor finally. No, 
That is not all. After taking us to the heights and showing us everything that lies beyond, are you simply going to turn us away empty-handed? What would you have us give you? This, said Cameron, gesturing with his hand to include the circle of all of them and the community beyond the window. We want what you have discovered. Is your circle a closed one? Or can you admit those who would learn of your ways but are not of your race? Venor's smile broadened as he arose and stepped toward them, and they felt the warm wave of acceptance from his mind even before he spoke. This is what we brought you here to receive, he said. But you had to ask for yourselves. We wanted men of earth in our ranks. There are many races and many worlds who make up the idealists. That is why it is said that the Ides do not know the homeworld from which they originally came. It is true, they do not. We are citizens of the universe but we have never been represented by a native of Earth, which needs us badly. Will you join us, Terrans? End of chapter five. End of Cubs of the Wolf by Raymond F. Jones.